Welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and I am glad again for the third part, and I guess this three-part series that the yeah. Lord put in our heart. I'm glad to be back today with Father Malachi. You know, as we've talked about a Franciscan friar of the renewal. Father Malachi's been in town for the last few days for uh, Eucharistic Advent Mission. I hope you've had a chance to listen to his testimony. It's one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Um, that came out a couple weeks ago, and then we followed that episode with an episode on Advent. And now, as he's here for a Eucharistic Advent mission, sharing himself and sharing about Advent and where we need to be and the preparation we need to have in our lives, there's one part of the puzzle we hadn't talked about yet, and that's the Eucharistic part of this. Um, so I'm very excited to welcome you back, Father Malachi. And Thank you. You know, as we talked about and mentioned in the first episode and probably in the second, I don't know, we've done a lot of stuff by now, yeah. but... Um, that you are a selected preacher for the National Eucharistic Revival, um, which is obviously centered all about the Eucharist. Yes. Um, there's a selection, as I said, of, of preachers from different orders of priesthood and things like that mm-hmm. selected and uh, to go out and to, to share about this. But yeah. I thought it'd be a cool thing to talk about because I knew when I first heard about it, I was like, well, okay, well, what is a National Eucharistic Revival? Obviously, it has something to do with the Eucharist. <laughs> yeah, It's national, so it's going to be you know the entire country. Is the church as a whole doing this? And then, mm-hmm. two, the third thing is, look, I'm a former Baptist, so revival makes me think you know a little bit of Protestantism. Yeah. Protestantism. So yeah. let's maybe just dive in there. Like, okay. what is the, the National Eucharistic Revival, and why do you want to be a part of it? All right. Well, I'll maybe start with the first part and then sure. dive into what it's all about. Yeah. Meaning, I mean, not the uh, the whole. Why do I want to be a part of it? Well, sure. Basically, here's the deal. The way I was selected was not really selection in the same way that some of these other amazing preachers may have been. Um, there wasn't like a draft day or anything. Yeah, I was like, come on, come on, come on, sitting there like watching That's the screen. Right. Come on, like, Falcons. Yeah. yeah, hold the jersey up. You know. Um, but uh, the. What happened was, is our general superior of the community I belong to, the Friars of the Renewal, mm-hmm. sent out an invitation to the priest in our community to pray about whether or not we wanted to participate as a preacher for the National Eucharistic Revival. So they reached out to us, the USCCB, asked our community, could you have some of your CFR priests be dedicated to help support this initiative by being National Eucharistic Preachers? Sure. And to be honest, um, as soon as I saw it, I was like, absolutely heck freaking yes. <laughs> like I was really pumped because my heart is a heart that just wants people to meet Jesus. Yeah. And and looking out at sort of just the landscape of the world and the church, there's so many ways in which it feels like there's like a retreat that has happened in many areas of just the culture with regard to the church. And for me, when I see this, what I see is I see somebody who's like raising a flag and saying like, let's go back into battle yeah, and let's go and do something proactively. Like let's take an offensive posture, which is exactly what the church always should be doing if she knows the treasure that she possesses. Amen. And, you know, it's like no matter what's going on in the world, if we're aware of the reality of what we have been given and entrusted as church then we're going to be out there wanting to joyfully proclaim that to the world. And so to have three years where we're going to be intentionally, the National Eucharistic Revival, it's national because it's all of the different dioceses in the U.S. that are underneath the USCCB. Mm -hmm. The bishops made a decision to do this. Now, again, you could get discouraged if you think about what motivated them. 
Sure. Well, it was, you know, a number of factors, right? The COVID pandemic, the drop in Sunday mass attendance, that was part of it. Another factor was this Pew research that happened a few years ago that basically showed what a lot of people maybe would have said we kind of knew but didn't know exactly to what degree. But there just was a radical decline in understanding sort of from the catechetical perspective sure. in faith, this sort of relational perspective of Catholics that are actually going to Mass and in the Eucharist. So that what it turned out is that if you ask the Catholics in the pews, you know, just a guy in the pew, you know? Sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> right, yeah. the Catholics in the pew, um, the ones that are going to Mass semi-regularly, um, which I think it was, I think the, the way they did the research thing was like two to three times a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so people that are actually in church, that of that group, only 30% believe that the bread and the wine after consecration are the true, real presence of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the other 70% checked whatever box it basically says it's a symbol of that. Yeah. So, which is alarming. Like, that yeah, is, that's our like, faith. Yeah, it's the center. The church says that it is the central mystery of our faith. Yeah. The reason it's a central mystery is because in the mystery of the Eucharist, it's not just something, and it's not a particular grace that we're receiving. It's someone. It's yeah. Jesus Christ. And if we don't believe in him, then as St. Paul says, like we are all fools. <laughs> and everything we're doing is empty. And what we claim to be as Catholics and what we believe about the Eucharist defines us in a yeah. radical way. Um, there is no church without the Eucharist. Amen. And so the church says, hey, we need to do something about this. The bishops, you know, the, especially the, the, the Committee on Evangelization, desirous of responding, developed this plan. A lot of things happen in the course of the history of the world that were unanticipated, like a pandemic. Sure. Um, and so there was a bit of a punting the ball on launching it, and it was postponed. But thank God, this year, in 2022, Corpus Christi, the National Eucharistic Revival was started. So it's three years where the church is focusing on this central mystery of the Eucharist in order to evangelize, invite people to a renewed encounter with Jesus Christ, who's truly present. Yeah. Um, and also to be able to form people, catechize them, teach them, and have them understand in a deeper way what we believe about this mystery and why. Yeah. So it's not just a symbol. You know, like, I mean, the, the, the often quoted, you know, Flannery O'Connor, I, I love it, right? You know, yeah. if it's just a symbol, to hell with it. Amen. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, if this is all, we're just like, you know, pageantry. And, and what are we you know, doing? You know, yeah. bells and smokes and whistles, and I'm doing all this stuff, and I get dressed up, and whoa, and it's just a symbol. Like, forget about it, man. I've got a lot better stuff to be doing in my life. Yeah. But if it's the living God made present in a real, substantial way in the world again, there's nothing else and nowhere else that I want to be, you know, and um, and I was thinking about that, you know, so it's it's the recentering of our gaze upon Jesus who comes to us through this mystery of the Eucharist. So I'll talk a little bit more about the Eucharist in a moment. And then revival, bro. When I saw revival, actually being <laughs> from in. Georgia, I'm like, I'm in. Come on. I'm in. Glory. Hallelujah. That's you know, right. Bring like, an extra T-shirt. It's serious. Get on here. Serious, yeah. <laughs> you know. But I think it is a, it's an appropriate word, and they chose it, I think, because it has already sort of a colloquial connection with something that's grassroots. Yeah, And that's really the hope of this. And, and this is Bishop Cousins. I went to this retreat with the other National Eucharistic preachers back in April. 
in Chicago and just a tremendous time. First off, just meeting the caliber of men and priests from around the country, other religious orders, diocesan. It was so encouraging. And then to spend four days with these bishops who are preaching to us and, and leading us in this retreat, super encouraged. I was just like, man, I haven't felt so fathered. Wow. In such a long time as I did when I was there during that time with those bishops. Yeah. Like just their spiritual paternity, I just experienced it. And Bishop Cousins, I was just so moved by him. And he said to us, he's like, guys, I don't want a program. I don't want another big, you know, kind of thing that's just another clunky, you know, heavily, uh, you know, bureaucratic type of event program sales pitch. I want you to go out there and start fires. Amen. This is wonderful to hear because I think so many people, so often our bishops are painted in a negative light. You know, I mean, just uh, people are frustrated and and they're they're quick to blame the easy people to blame. Yeah. Um, You know, of course, nobody's perfect, but but to hear this that they're pouring into you guys this way and in the way that they want to go about this is not some programmatic. Here's a here's a DVD set and and a workbook and. No. To, you know, and have a good time. It, it's literally yeah. setting fires again is, is yeah. something I think I know my heart leaps at hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like all about it, man. I'm like, yeah. give me more. I want more of that. I want to sure. share that fire. I want to be in that fire. I want others' hearts to be burning with that fire. And the fire that we're talking about is a fire that's in the sacred heart of Jesus. Yeah. And that's what we encounter when we encounter the Eucharist. You know, it's Jesus's presence is the totality of Christ is there, his body, his blood, soul, and divinity, you know, and we believe that as Catholics. And, and it's interesting, you know, it's like trying to think about it. Right. And I remember I was doing a first communion. It's like, how do you talk to these kids about, you know, like something like transubstantiation or just like, whoo, right over yeah, their head. You sure. Know? Sure. Well, and there's a lot of adults that it goes right over their head. You say yeah. transubstantiation, accidental and, you know, like the substance and, and, and although there is a real truth that this is the most um, precise theological language that the church has developed and has to try and speak about the mystery, mm-hmm. what I preach is that we also are still always speaking about a mystery. Yeah. And so it's never something that even when we use this language, it's an attempt to sort of indicate the reality of what happens that language, no matter how precise and how um, amazing it could be, always falls short. Yeah. That the only real language that's appropriate in the presence of the mystery is silence. Because you're in awe and wonder. Like, what do you do when you're like, you see this amazing sunset, right? You don't, you just like stop. And you stare and you're like, you might be like, wow. You know, but like, you don't start trying to like break it apart and analyze why is it beautiful and what the color schema might be. And you know, no, like you're encountering this mystery and yeah. knowing it and I'm encountering it. And that's what the revival I think is also about. We're, we're doing a lot of these events in the context of Eucharistic adoration and also a, a reverent, beautiful celebration of the liturgy in order to invite people to a renewed encounter. Because when I meet him there, then I'm going to be hungry and I'm going to be desirous of knowing more about, why do we believe this? And what is this mystery that I've known? Yeah. And that's when the, the catechesis comes in. For me, it's to have people come and, and meet Jesus. And it's amazing. I've been different places around the country already. And dude, like, like fires are being lit. That's awesome. I mean, and it's true. Like, I, I mean, I, was, I just remember I was in Chicago and there's this Hindu guy who like wanders into the mission 
who some of the priests there had met before, but not Catholic, nothing, no background sure. whatsoever. You know, like who's Jesus? Like hardly even has any context for that. And he comes in and we're doing these mission nights with the Eucharist exposed. And this guy at the end of the last night comes up to me and does something that just made me really super uncomfortable. Must be some, <laughs> I mean, he's from India and I don't know, maybe it's a cultural thing. I don't mean any offense, but he bent down and he like touched both of my feet and then like almost like blessed himself and just said, I want to praise you. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, he's like, and he's just, he's looking at me and he's like, I've never experienced the presence of God anywhere like I did here tonight. Yeah. And I said, bro, I'm like Paul and Barnabas and Athens, like, you know, oh, like, sure. dude, don't praise me. The unnamed the, God. Yeah. 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 I'm like, the reason, the reason is because it's not just a symbol. Yeah. And even someone who lacked the, intellectual knowledge had this experience which now is leading him on a journey of discovering that formation and what do we believe and why do we believe it so as to enter the church you know and 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 i've seen that again and again like people coming and encountering this reality and so for me it's like revival looks like putting people in the presence of christ and creating the context and the opportunity for their hearts to meet his heart. Yeah, and it's it's a remember it's a renewal, you know. I mean, I, as a convert myself, you know, I was a Catholic 11 years before I was ever really Catholic and took it seriously and yeah. then when all the stuff happened in my life and the Lord righted the ship for me, if you will. Yeah. And then I realized this is truly the body and blood. Like there was nothing that I read that said, "Okay, that's it. There's that fact right there. Yeah. I'm now a believer in all of this." It was an encounter. It was a moment yeah. when a priest looked at me and he held that up and he said, I oh, forget, man, I'm getting emotional talking about it. Said, this is the body of Christ. And for the first time mm. in my life, I believed it. Mm. And my wife, is a, is a, she's so open and honest. God bless her. She She's a cradle Catholic. Mm-hmm. And she saw a transformation after that. And she's like, I, I wish, like, I want what you're seeing. Like, mm. my whole life, this has just been something I've been given Right? Mm-hmm. It's been a part of my life, and yeah. I've never had this opportunity to experience this in this light mm-hmm. that you're now experiencing mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And so when it, when you talk about that, man, it's like you can see that. Like they walk in, and it's like somebody opened the doors of Fort Knox, and they're <laughs> just like, what is this beauty in yeah. this? And that man doesn't even have an understanding of what the church teaches mm-hmm. about what it is, but he sees it. Yeah, and then right? it sets the stage for that teaching, and I think yeah. that's where – so what the revival is about, it's about this renewed encounter. Yeah. But then it's also about forming people because we're also suffering the poverty of there not having been uh, an evangelism and a catechesis in regard to the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Yeah. You know, wherever that fell through the cracks, however it was missed, it was missed. If 70% of Catholics don't, yeah. don't believe that. So, so this encounter sparks the flame. And then that's where the opportunity. So, I mean, I share one of these beautiful stories. So I was able to go to Alaska, Fairbanks Diocese. Loved it there. Oh, my I God. I bet you did. Dude, it you. was amazing. <laughs> it was like flying. Did you sleep in an igloo or something? Oh, I wish I had. I wish I had. But I did, like, experience 15 degrees below zero, which I'd never experienced before. And oh, I was yeah. flying over, like, interior Alaska tundra in one of these small planes riding in the cockpit. Yeah. You know, it was so Pond cool. jumper planes. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. beautiful. Um, but... But it was out there with the native Alaskans who had been evangelized years ago, praise God, by some awesome Jesuit missionaries. And there continues to be, there's a Franciscan presence and, and very few diocesan priests that are able to be there. It's a missionary diocese, in sure. fact. Um, 
But I was out there and like, you know, do all this preparation. And this is a thing, right? So we're like, we have the National Eucharistic Revival. There's a website, like check it out. There's some great resources there. Mm-hmm. And you have an amazing logo and all of that stuff is awesome as well. Um, but really when I was out there was when I think it was the first time, like the Lord, like, like this is revival. And it was me and five of these older native women that were in the chapel and Jesus is on the altar and I'm sitting here playing some songs that they knew just singing to Jesus about how they loved him. Mm. And I'm just looking at them and I'm like, this is revival, man. Revival is a human heart meeting this heart. Revival is this love becoming real to me in changing and transforming my real life, whatever the circumstance is, you know, like, and I was also able to hear some of their stories and know the suffering and the struggles that they have just as a people in the tribe. I was with the Athabascan tribe there, but they were being renewed, like revived by the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And like, that's revival. It's like, and there's nothing glamorous about that moment. Like if I looked around, you know, it's like, it's like nobody's going to like, you know, videotape this and, you know, it's going to become some kind of like, you know, viral YouTube. No. Sure. Yeah. But this is exactly what it's about. It's about going to real people, whether it's, a you know, the far and distant or whether it's, you know, a, a packed cathedral at some large diocesan event. Going to real people and saying like, you know, like Jesus Christ, the son of the living God who was sent into this world by the father because God is so passionately in love with you is here in our midst on the altar in this mystery of the Eucharist. Yeah. And he's waiting for you and looking for you. And he's over the moon in love with you. And he's here because he wants you to know you're not alone. And I think that the world we live in, you know, one of the other aspects of this is that we live in a world that's just so marked by individualism, so marked by isolation and loneliness. Yeah. And also by disunity and fracture in the culture and in the church. And this is one of the things that I think is super important about the revival is Jesus is the thing that makes us one. Amen. Jesus is the one that can bring together people who aren't able in any other context to be able to come together. And we need healing. We really need some serious healing in the church of the disunity that exists. And it doesn't happen by me looking at you sitting on the other side of this table and pointing my finger, it happens by both of us looking at Jesus on the altar. Yeah. And then after I've seen him look at me with love, I look at you and now there's love in my heart for you that wasn't there before. Amen. And, and so this unity is another a primary reason why they're doing this is there's so much polemic, so much just like division. And so it's like if we're not able to re- be united around the Eucharist, and we can't be united around anything. Yeah. Because this is the central mystery. So it's not even, there's nothing tangential about it. It is, this is it. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, it's a real opportunity, a gift for the church. And it's happening, right? Like the other thing that I like about it is, is it's not a flash pan deal. So they know that like revival is not a, an event. Sure. It's not a one-off. No. What we're talking about is transformation, renewal. And that happens over time. And so there's this trajectory, right, of like over a number of years, you have a year where we're trying to look at the leadership, diocese, priests, those who serve, DREs, all kind of at a large scale level. And then following that with another year, looking at the parish level. And then after that is preparation for um, a National Eucharistic Congress. 
I mean, it's been half a century. So I'm like, 50 years ago would have been the last time that there was a National Eucharistic Congress in this country. Yeah. It's and long. it's an opportunity of grace. And there's a lot of critics out there too. So I'm like, you know, it's like critics of what they're doing. You do this big event, you know, you're like, you're not dealing with the real issues. I'm like, how is putting Jesus at the center not dealing with the real issues? He's the only one that can fix the brokenness Amen. of the church. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's all kind. Of, you want bishops to be better men? Eucharistic revival will make that a reality. If you're if you got issues, you know, and you're like, I don't like this group or that group. You're like, I don't like the way he's acting. I don't like what he, you know. Like, put them in contact with the reality of Jesus Christ. And when you meet Jesus, you're changed. Amen. Yeah. And that's what revival is. And so I think there's an opportunity. And I would say to anybody who's out there, like, you know, firing bullets, I'm like, if you're firing bullets at this, bro, open up your eyes. Yeah. And realize that you're firing bullets at the central mystery of our faith when you do that. <laughs> and an opportunity of grace in the history of the church. This is another part that I am super pumped about. Preceding that National Eucharistic Revival, for the first time ever, and I think, I don't know, I think this is probably true. I'm going to say in the history of the world, but certainly okay. in the history of this country, right? <laughs> Fact checkers, get ready. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> I'm, go I'm going history of the world. That's go big. Right. I'm all in, right? There's going to be a Eucharistic procession, processions happening in this country, proceed the three months leading up to the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis. Yeah, you were telling me about this, yeah. Bro, and those are going to come from the four cardinal directions. Jesus Christ and the Blessed Sacrament is going to cross our country, making literally the form of a cross, <laughs> coming from the headwaters of the Mississippi down south, coming from down in south Texas, the border up, coming from the west coast out in San Francisco across, coming from over on the east coast through Connecticut and on over. Like that's amazing. Yeah, that's that it's like is this is our like you know I, renewal. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's just like this is this is unheard of. Yeah. If you want to see the church revive, this is it. <laughs> turn not just the eyes of the Catholics that are in the pews, but the nation around us. Turn their eyes. Imagine what's going to happen. So many people who have not been in a church, they're going to see, and even if they don't recognize it initially, like this Hindu man who was at that mission, like there's a presence here that's real. Amen. Yeah. And we want people to encounter it. We believe it so much that we're going to walk with that real presence, Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity across this country, blessing it, praying for it, begging for him to do. Because revival is a work of the spirit and not a yeah. work of man. Amen. There's that's no programs that bring it. 100%. And the, the church has been given this gift, and I'm pumped about it because my heart, I just want to see people to know Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me That's too, it, man. Yeah. And there is no better place and there is no more real presence than you will find in this world and this life than his presence in the Eucharist. They show great wisdom, too, in the way they're doing it. Like you're talking about these grassroots and things. And yeah. there's something about letting the Spirit breathe and letting the Spirit move instead mm -hmm. of handing out something that says, this is how you do revival. Step mm -hmm. one start a revival like step two <laughs> invite people to said revival yeah. step three hand yeah. out name tags have yeah. it at this place what it's doing is saying like and, and you know tim glinkowski is a friend of mine and father craig vasek some other ones that are involved in, in yeah. some of the higher levels of this and the thing that i've enjoyed seeing them say again and again is 
no, this is this is a diocesan effort. Like, yes, we're <clears throat> shepherding this thing, yeah. but the freedom is within the diocese. Like, Tim has shared several times on Facebook, like, hey, look what this diocese did when they, yeah. they've got some crazy, like, it's not crazy, but like some cool-looking crazy uh, procession or yeah. something they've done that's unique, and they're applauding that. They're not going, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not our, yeah. that's not, that's, yeah, that's we that's told not on you, page three of yeah. the panda. Yeah, we told you all to stay on your head for four hours as yeah. you did it. Like, there's none of that. It's yeah. it's just like, look what these people are doing in mm-hmm. almost a letting go of the reins yeah. to let people in the diocese listen to the heart of their own diocese, yeah. feel that pulse, yeah. and say, this is how we want to minister or need to minister here yeah. through the Eucharist and what God wants yeah. to do do here absolutely and that's something that i see that's very different mm-hmm. when we've you know church can sometimes become as you've said very programmatic yep and very just okay one size fits all pass this around and it's yeah. gonna heal everything and it's like no different people are yeah. you were in freaking alaska i know but people that <laughs> if i like I, I i can't relate to that yeah so something that's going to speak to them is going to be probably a little bit different than what might speak to people here in memphis tennessee yeah it's all our lord but Amen. that freedom that the bishops are are giving yeah. to the lay people, to to the yeah. uh, the preachers, to the people involved, to to say what what's gonna what does the Lord want to do in mm-hmm. your area? Yeah, there's just something that speaks to my heart, makes it sing when when mm-hmm. there's room for the Spirit to breathe and the Spirit to move. Amen, amen. And I've seen that, I've seen that breath, and I've seen that life. And you know, yeah, the different places I'm going, it's also something that's just like marked the way that I'm approaching it is, is like what father what's your word for the people here yeah and um and also you know i think there's also some core aspects that are worth mentioning that i think are a part of whatever that revival looks like and so, so for some people you know like they're talking about we need to have our focus on this particular aspect of the liturgy or but the core components that i've that i've really seen right is like this um a renewed reverence yeah and, and devotion to the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. So that's that's expressed right in the way that we act and we speak and we pray, the, the things that we sing. Um, and another aspect of it is beauty. Mm. So now it's it's not totally relativizing beauty, but like what looked beautiful in Alaska with the native people is not the thing that I'm doing here in Memphis. Yeah. And it's not to say that there's no like uh, objective category of what beautiful is, but there's an enfleshing, an enculturating of that beauty in different contexts. And yeah. I like that about this, that like there's room for it. But, but this is a guiding principle, I think, is like we want the liturgy to more be more beautiful because beauty reflects what we believe about the Eucharist. And it's a, it attracts. Yeah. But it's also, and this is one of the tensions or one of the issues that we have to be aware of is that if I hold on to the thing that I think makes this beautiful or the way that I think this needs to be, and I'm not holding on to Jesus, yeah. then I've just made an idol. And I can make an idol out of anything. Yeah. It's and there, not him. there comes the division. Yeah, and a lot of the divisions I find is when somebody's like, this is the way, whatever that way might be. You know, yeah. you far left, far right, whatever. Liturgy wars. Yeah, like, like, yeah. like it's like, this is the way. And as soon as this is the way... And when I say way, I don't mean Jesus. Yeah, I, I've, I've run, I've run into the error that every heretic in the history of the church has fallen into, and some, even if it's a minuscule manner, which is, I take a part of what is true and I make it everything. Yeah. Um, and and that and that and that's another part of what I love about the revival is, is come back to the central mystery. 
Come back to the center. And then when your eyes are on the center, look at everything else in relationship to that. And this is what becomes like this profound examination of conscience, I think, for the church. Like, how are we celebrating Mass? Are we hearing what Pope Francis has said when he says, you should be celebrating with reverence and devotion? You know, do we, do we, also, do we hear what Pope Benedict says when he says to us, there's only one Mass? Yeah. <laughs> you know, do, do we really and truly allow Christ to become the measure and the window, the prism through which we see everything and judge everything? He has an absolute claim on us. Yeah. And when we allow that to happen, revival happens because then we discover the like the fullness of life we're made for. He says, I came that you may have life and life in abundance. And that abundant life is the fruit of being in relationship with him. Yeah. And that relationship is, um, it says, right, the source and summit, right? That relationship flows from the Eucharist. Why? Because in the Eucharist, the Paschal mystery is present. Jesus institutes the Eucharist the night before he's handed over. We even say mm -hmm. that in the liturgy. Um, and all of those events of that mystery of his handing himself over, his suffering, his dying, and his rising are present to us in the Eucharist, which is why it's a source. The life of the church is born from the wounded side of Christ upon the cross, and the heart that poured out water and blood on Calvary is the same heart that's present in the Eucharist. Amen. <laughs> and so it's our source, but it's also our summit. Why? Because it is through him that we now are able to go to the Father. And every prayer, it's really beautiful. There's only a couple moments in the Mass where our prayer is not directed to the Father. Mm -hmm. And the mass is really the people of God joining with Jesus in this offering, in this raising ourselves up in thanksgiving. Eucharist means thanksgiving, yeah. right? In sacrifice, the sacrifice of praise, which is being caught up into the mystery, the sacrifice of Calvary. And, and we're going to the summit, which is the destiny we're brought up into heaven. Every yeah. time we go to mass, whoa, like dude, of the veil. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I'm yes. like, so, so the source and summit coming back to the center is what will bring about the revival that the church needs. And the more that those little sparks from the fire fall in different places, when it finds hearts that are tired, dried out and thirsty because the world just can't give you what we're really made for. Yeah. When that spark hits them, boom. And that's what revival looks like. Little fires, man. <laughs> and then when those little fires come together, guess what you got? A raging bonfire, bonfire yeah, man. Right. Come on. That's right, dude. Well, man, I, I'm so glad that we took the time to talk about this because I, I, I know, you know, I run with everyday guys, man. And sometimes we just, we hear phrases, we hear yeah. movements, we hear things and we think, well, that's something the church is doing for somebody else or, but no, it's a call for all of us to come Amen. back to what matters most, yeah, right? To the absolutely. Lord. And, you know, people ask me all the time, why do you go to daily mass? It's because the Lord is my strength. Amen. Right? The Lord is my strength. Like that every day, he has humbled himself to make him into something small mm -hmm. so that we can take him in and that his Amen. strength can be ours because he's asked us to do hard things. Yeah. Right? They will hate you because they hated me. They will mm -hmm. persecute because they persecuted me. I know that, so I give you my very self mm -hmm. so that you can go and do the things that I've asked you to do. Amen. And it's, it's, it's so beautiful. So, guys, if you don't... If you want to hear more about the National Eucharistic Revival, they have a website. You can Google it. Go there. If you want to bring something, bring this fire in some way to your diocese. Maybe maybe you don't know if anything's going on. It's a good way to check with your diocese and see if they've gotten scheduled, something scheduled. If not, 
then then put it in front of them and say, I'd like to be a part of this Make in my happen. area. Let me be the match, if you will, yeah. you know, to start this fire. So you can find out more of that at, and I, I don't know the website off uh, National website Eucharistic Revival. Dot com, I'm dot sure. Org, I believe. Or is. org. So you can search it that way. Father Malachi, again, dude, just I love you to death. I love your fire. I love your passion. Thank you for sharing it with us here again today. Uh, guys, please pray for him as he preaches and as he goes around and shares about this teaching. Uh, it is a it is a massive call and a massive undertaking to take. So let's pray for him now uh, as we close this episode. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of Father Malachi. Thank you for his heart for you. Thank you for his love for you. Thank you for his desire for us to come to know and love you in a more profound way. Bless him as he goes out and he speaks, whether it's in Alaska or here in Memphis, Tennessee, or wherever else that his travels take him, Lord. Fill him with your grace. Fill him with your Holy Spirit and with that fire that will bring others to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.